So if you have your Bibles, uh, please go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have the verses on the screen. And so Mark chapter 10, we're going to go through three different stories here. So we're going to read a lot of scripture uh, right from the get-go. So Mark chapter 10, starting in verse uh, 46, it says this. Then he, Jesus, came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, uh, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told uh, him to be quiet. This blind man, he needed help, but everyone was quieting him down. But as they were quieting him down, he shouted all the more. He was like, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. Uh, On your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, the blind man, Bartimaeus, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. That's story number one. Story number two, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 2. Luke 18, starting in verse Two, he said, this is Jesus, in a certain town, there was a judge. There was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God, so he didn't fear God, nor he cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. That's story number two. Story number three, Luke chapter uh, 11, starting in verse 5, it says this. He says, then Jesus said to them, different story, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children are, and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Three stories. So we're... um. We're finishing up uh, our series called Vision Sundays, and we've been talking about the vision of our church, we've been talking about the direction of our church, and we've been unpacking the seven core values of our church. Now, next week, we're starting a brand new series, and this series is going to be maybe a little bit uncomfortable, maybe a little bit controversial even. It's called, um, it's called Money, Sex, and Marriage. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. That's the series that we're starting. It's a series on relationships. It's called Money, Sex, and Marriage. And so be sure to be a part of this series. You're going to enjoy it, I promise you, and it's going to challenge you, and it's going to help you learn some new things that, that maybe you uh, thought you knew, but we're going to look at the Scripture, and we're going to shed a whole bunch of light on everything. And so we've been talking about the core values of our church. So seven core values. Jesus is our pursuit. Hope is our our flag. People are our passion. Service is our heartbeat. Worship is our spirit. Generosity is our privilege. And today we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer is our anchor. Prayer is our anchor. All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. 
How many parents do we have in the, in the house right now? Parents, okay, a bunch of you, a bunch of you guys are parents, okay. What would you say is the hardest thing about being a parent? Anyone? Patience? Expectations? Discipline? Okay. For me as a parent, when I was a brand new parent, one of the hardest things was getting the car seat into the car. I just remember it being 100 degrees, having a screaming child, trying to put that car seat in there, and I don't care who you are. Maybe you're one of those Christians that says, hey, I've never cursed in my life. That's probably because you've never tried to put a car seat in the car when it's 100 degrees and there's a screaming child. And so there's things in life that are just difficult, you know, and one of those things is definitely parenting. I remember we had a small sedan, my wife and I, and we had three kids, and uh, they were all in car seats. One was in, it, one was in a booster, and the other two were in the car seat, and I remember putting them in their uh, respective, you know, car seats, and we shut one, one of the doors, and all of them would shift. Like, all the car seats would shift to one side, and then you shut the other one, and they'd kind of go into, in place. And so, being a dad was, was, there's a lot of beautiful things about it, but there's also things that just were, were just annoying. They were just annoying about being a dad, you know? Have you ever said yes to something just out of, just because you're tired? Like, fine. Like, you don't even know what you're saying yes to? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if my wife came up to me one day and said, hey, Justin said that you said that he could smoke pot in the living room with his friends? I'm like, Hey, it's possible. I guess I was so tired and I was so tired of his annoyance that it's possible that I said this to him. Of course, that's an exaggeration. But there were, there were uh, moments as a parent that you would just, dad, 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 dad. It's like, whatever, okay, whatever, yes, okay? So the reason why I bring that up is because in these stories that we just read, it's really interesting. Because when you think about the story of Bartimaeus, which he was blind and he was screaming out to Jesus and everybody wanted him to, to be quiet, he just kept screaming. And the result of him just that he kept screaming is that Jesus actually stopped and he went back and he healed this man. The next story was a story about the widow and the judge. And the widow kept insisting over and over and over and over again. And the, the story talks about this judge not even being a good person. Like he didn't even do it out of the goodness of his heart. The reason why he ended up answering and doing whatever she asked was because she insisted, because she was so annoying. The, the scripture makes that very clear. And then the third story talking about the, the friend who goes to his friend's house at night. That friend had another friend that showed up, needed help. So he goes and he starts knocking on his door. He's like, you know what? Fine, fine. Just because I know you're not going to leave. And so I'm going to do what you're asking me to do just because I know that you are not going to take no for an answer. And so today I want to talk to you, this morning I want to talk to you about, about the power of insistent prayer, of insistent prayer. You see, I believe it is very possible, completely possible, that this church is at the doors of a spiritual breakthrough. I believe that it is entirely possible that you individually are at the doorsteps of a spiritual breakthrough in your life. But here's the myth. 
Jesus is going to cause financial breakthrough in your life. Jesus is going to cause relational breakthrough in your life. Jesus is going to cause physical breakthrough in your life. Jesus is going to cause spiritual breakthrough in your life. All you have to do is wait. Okay. So I want to talk to you about how the scriptures describe your part in what God is going to do or not do. If you look at the story... Of Noah. The flood didn't come until he built the ark. If you look at Moses, the Red Sea didn't part until he put his staff down. Peter didn't walk on water until he stepped out of the boat. And so you look at the scriptures over and over and over again, and I'm like, I'm thinking about you right now, and you may be waiting for something to happen in your life or in the people around you, and maybe you're just waiting, and maybe it's possible that God is inviting you in to actually do something in order for that thing to happen in your life. So the question this morning is, is what is your part in this whole thing? Like, what is my part in the plan that God has in this world. You see, I think that the problem is sometimes we overestimate our involvement in God's plans, but also we underestimate our involvement in God's plan. I told you a story once. It's a made-up story. Uh, I made up this story. Um, it's, the, it's the story about this guy. He tells his friends, I got a part in the movie. And they're like, what? Yeah, I got a part in the movie. And they're like, okay. Come, let's go see my movie. And so they go into the theater. They go see a movie. It's a great, you know, hour and a half movie. And then they walk out. And they're like, that was a great movie, but you weren't in it. He's like, what do you mean? I was in this movie. No, we saw the whole thing. You weren't in it. Well, what do you mean? Like, what, did you remember the part in the bar where there was that big breakup? Yeah, that was, a, that was a great scene of the movie. You weren't in that scene. What do you mean I wasn't in that scene? So they go and they go and rent the movie, right? It's in the eight nineties, right? So they go to Blockbuster Video and they rent the movie. And so they watch the movie, and they stop at that scene. He's like, I'm in that scene. He's like, no, you're not in the scene. Yes, I am. Look, look at the background. See in the background, there's a guy in the bar. He's having a beer. That's me. He's like, okay, you didn't have a part in the movie. You were an extra in that movie, okay? There's a big difference between you having a part in the movie and you being an extra in the movie, so the reason why I share that is because I think that sometimes we don't quite understand what our role is in this story that God is telling. I think sometimes we overestimate what our involvement is in God's global plan. We think that it's dependent on us, and it's not, but it kind of is. And so I want to talk about that a little bit, this, this kind of struggle that, that comes as a result of, wait a minute, why should I pray so much if ultimately God's just going to do what he's going to do? So I prayed for someone, this was a while back. This doesn't always happen, it's happened a couple of times in my whole life. Pray for that person, that person gets healed in the moment. So here's the problem. The problem comes when you believe that the reason why that person got healed is because you prayed. It's very important to make that distinction. If someone wants, if God wants to heal someone from cancer, God's going to heal that person from cancer, right? If I don't put myself between God's will and that, that person, God's going to heal that person anyway. In other words, if I don't want, if, if, if God doesn't use me, he's going to use somebody else, okay? So that's really important for us to understand. 
So we have, let's say, zero influence over the will of God, okay? However, it is entirely on you whether or not you will be the one that God will use in order to make his plan reality. And I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. Like, I want to be in that moment when God does his, I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking, I seriously, like, I don't have any hair, but I feel like it would be standing up right now if I did. Because I truly want to be in that moment when God decides to do something beautiful. I'm like, I'm there. Like, use me, God. Use me. I don't want you to use someone else. I want to be in that moment. I want God to do great things through me. And I've heard that my whole life. I've heard that my whole life. I want God to do great things through me. Oh, I want to be the person. Like, it's really common to hear, but I want to, I want to explain to you what it is that God is up to as far as I can tell, is that he's not as interested in doing something through you than he is in doing something in you. He wants to do something in you. But many times, it takes God doing something through you in order to do the thing in you that needs to take place. So this is very important. So God is more interested in doing something in you than through you. But sometimes it takes him doing something through you in order to do the thing in you that is the goal. So the goal isn't the thing that happens through you because that's going to happen regardless. Your decision is, am I going to put myself, am I going to have the faith to place myself between God and his will so that God can use me and then do something amazing in me as a result of that? And so... So that's the message today is really that's what it is. It's, it's the message today is, is that we will open ourselves up for God to do something in us. But sometimes it will take God doing something through us. And so I want to ask you to open yourself up to that today. That you open your heart to that possibility. You see, what do these three stories have in common? These three stories have in common, blind Bartimaeus, the obnoxious friend, right, and the woman with a judge. What do these three stories have in common? They weren't taking no for an answer. It's like Jacob and the angel. You guys remember wrestling with the angel? Jacob, he's like, I'm not stopping until you bless me. He was not stopping. You see, sometimes we go through the motions in prayer. I don't know about you. Sometimes we just kind of go through the motions. Like, hey, God, bless me, help me, thank you for the food, help me find a parking spot. Like, just kind of praying things that are just kind of not... Because, because basically what we're thinking is, God, you're in control. You know what you're doing. I know you ask us to pray. I'm going to pray. But, but really, I don't know if that's really going to do anything. So we kind of sit in the back seat and kind of relax but as we read the scriptures, it becomes undeniable that there is something about insistent prayer that moves the will of God, that, that, that ushers in his, his blessing, that, that intervenes in God's activity. That's why Jesus used these, uses these three stories to illustrate the power of asking insistently. There's something to this. Some of you guys know that, that I made a bunch of bad decisions in my, in my life before I was a pastor. And my mom, she would, she, she would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And God answered her prayer. 
and I came back to the ways of the Lord. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. She just kept praying. And I can't prove this, but I have a high suspicion that I don't know what would have happened if she would have stopped praying. I don't know. I don't know for sure. You see, God answers prayers, but here's the problem. And I want to I present you with my dilemma right here. I'm going to present it. I was talking to my staff about it this week. There's this dilemma right here. Because I have, I have preached before about the Lord's Prayer. And, I, and when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is all about aligning yourself to the will of God. That's basically what the, Lord, the, the Lord's Prayer is. It's not you asking God to do your will, but it's positioning yourself to do the will of God no matter what it is. Same is true with Gethsemane. Jesus and the Father in Gethsemane, he didn't want to go to the cross. The scripture makes that very clear. He's like, if you can take this cup away from me, please. But then there's this transition that takes place, and he's like, but not my will, your will be done. And so there's an aspect of prayer that has to do with simply aligning yourself to the will of God. Whatever it is, I'm going to do whatever you ask of me, no matter what. That's what Luke 11 is, is all about. It's the, the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it here real quick. Luke 11, starting in verse 2, he says to them, when you pray... Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is the Lord's prayer. What he's saying here is all about you, not about me. It's about your will, not my will. Your kingdom come here, not my kingdom here. Give me enough to survive, but not too much to no longer feel like I depend on you. And don't let me forget your forgiveness so I can also forgive those who wrong against me. So it's all about positioning yourself to say, hey, your kingdom, like I just want to usher in your kingdom. That's it. That's it. I don't want my own thing. I want your thing to happen in this world, your will, not mine. And so here's my dilemma. It's like, pastor, you can't have it both ways. It's either the will of God or it's your will. It's either me aligning to God or me trying to get God to do what I want him to do. So I discovered something that was really helpful. And what I discovered here is that is that the story of the annoying friend? Remember the story of the annoying friend? He's like, help me, help me, help me, help me. I have people over here that need help. He's like, fine, I will help you. Just stop bothering me. He gets up and he helps. That story comes right after the Lord's Prayer. So there's the Lord's Prayer, which is all about aligning yourself to the will of God. And then he says, but pray over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And maybe you'll get your answer. It's really interesting because these two stories are there the same. And so why, why do we have the Lord's Prayer and then do we have this story that comes right after it? Here it is. Here it is. Lord God, this is the prayer. Lord God, this is what I want. You just say it. This is what I want. Lord God, this is what I want. And I'm not taking no for an answer. This is what I want. I'm not taking no for an answer. But you know what? I want what you want more. I, whatever it is, I will, that's fine. I will take it. But this, is, this is, I'm not stopping here. Like, if you have people in your family, someone that wants to be healed, like someone needs healing, like you're not stopping. You're not stopping. You're not stopping until you get an answer. If you have someone in your life, a, a child who's far from God, hey, you're not stopping. You're not stopping. But you want God's will, but you're not stopping. You're gonna keep going. You're gonna keep going. It's what you want, Lord God. It's whatever you want. 
let me unpack it a little bit like this. Have you ever been in a toxic relationship? Like a relationship where it's all about the other person just sucking the life out of you? Have you ever been in a relationship like that? Right? It's not great. It's not great. It's really, really hard. So where the quality of the relationship is dependent on whether or not the person gets what they want. It's not good. It's not a good relationship. And we can have a relationship like that with God as well, to where it's all about getting what I want. And if I don't get what I want, like, okay, bye, God. That's not what it is. You see, that's why Jesus uses this Lord's Prayer as a preamble into this story. This is what I want, God. This is the prayer. This is what I want, but I want what you want more. This is how we approach Jesus. This has to be our baseline when we approach Jesus with our insistent prayer. You start from a place of abundance because you realize that everything you need, first of all, everything you need in Christ, you already possess. Everything, everything. You have it in Christ. It's like this eight-year-old girl in Disneyland. She's dressed as a princess, and she's crying. You can't cry. You're in Disneyland. You can't. You just can't. She's crying because she got a, she got a, um, the different, she, she, she didn't get the ice cream that she wanted. She's crying in Disneyland. And the reason why she's crying in Disneyland is because, I'm, hey, I'm sorry, you don't get to cry in Disneyland, man. You're in Disneyland, and you're dressed as a princess. You don't get to cry. The fact is she didn't get what she wanted. The fact that she didn't get what she wanted didn't allow for her to realize where she was. You see, in Christ we have everything, and we have to start there. We have to start there. Everything that we need in Christ for what he did for us, we already possess. So the question I want to ask you this morning before we close is, When was the last time you prayed like the annoying friend who wouldn't stop? When was the last time you prayed like that widow who was not taking a no for an answer from the judge? When was the last time that you prayed and you you approached Jesus no matter what, like blind Bartimaeus? Everyone was saying, shut up. And he's like, I am not going to stop until I get a face-to-face with Jesus. I'll take no for an answer, but I want to get an answer from him no matter what. What When was the last time you prayed like that? You see, brothers and sisters, God is doing great things around us all the time. Romans chapter 8 says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in you and me. He's able. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You see, Christ is able to do anything. And so I wonder if this morning you're here today and there's something that you've wanted for a long time and you've just lost hope for. Maybe you gave up praying for that thing. Maybe it's time to rekindle that fire. I want to I invite you to that. You see, what God has put in my heart is revival. And you may look around here, you, look, you see these empty chairs and like, revival, there's just a few people in here. I don't know. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. I have, and, but, but, but revival will happen. We can't expect a collective revival if it's not an individual one. We will only be collectively what we are individually. And so here's my, my question to you is what is it in your life 
now that you look back and you have given up on? What is it? And you may ask yourself, well, what's the use of insisting? Well, let me ask you this. What if blind Bartimaeus would have just stopped? What if the friend who was knocking on his friend's house would be like, you know what? He's not good enough, so I'm just going to go back. What would happen if the widow wouldn't have insisted before the judge and just walked away? What would, ha- what would have happened if, if Jacob would have just said, you know what? This, I'm wrestling with God, but it's too hard. I'm just going to leave. What would have happened if my mom would have stopped praying for me? What would have happened if you give up praying for the thing that you've been praying about? Maybe it's time for you to restart. First Thessalonians says, uh, 5.17 says, says, pray continually. So don't stop. Don't stop. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep believing. Pray continually. But you pray with the Spirit, with a spirit of completeness. Does that make sense? Like, we already have everything. But you want to see God do something great. And so you keep praying and you keep insisting. So I'm going to end with this. I want to invite you to participate in a time of prayer. And I've been talking about this for a while. I've been talking to the band about this too. On Wednesday the 22nd. I want you to come that that Wednesday. And I want you to open your heart. And I want you to present yourself before God. And we're going to pray. Like we are going to pray like we've never prayed before. So I want to invite you, I want, I want to invite you to do that. And so I want to ask if we can close our eyes here, if we can um, just not look anywhere, just close your eyes and bow your head. We're going to have a moment now. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning and, and you realize that God is in control. You believe that he died for you and he rose from the dead and you have salvation. Maybe you're here and you have this thought in your mind where it's like, well, yeah, I could pray. But doesn't God already have everything sort of organized and my involvement is really not necessary and maybe the result of that has been that you have changed the way you pray maybe you've been just going through the motions in prayer and maybe it's time this morning for for you to rekindle that prayer life and to start again praying and believing and using the faith that God has given you to insist like Bartimaeus, like the annoying friend, like Jacob, like the widow with the judge. You're saying, I'm not stopping until I get an answer. So if you're here this morning and there's something that's in your heart right now and you need prayer over, I'm just going to ask you to just raise your hand and put it right back down. I'm going to pray over that right now. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. And so, Lord God, these hands that were raised this morning represent a specific need, a specific thing that needs prayer. I don't know what it is. 
but I feel in my heart that you're going to do something right now. I pray, God, that as a result of this sort of faith gesture of raising the hand, that you will do something that will allow for that act of faith to receive an answer from you. And that that answer will bring glory to you, God. So we present these requests to you, God, with all of the faith that you've given us. And we ask that you intervene for your glory. So we pray these things and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.